Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the Ryan Nielsen, Jerry Gray dynamic. The nominees are in and a quirky stat about Strider. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter the promo code locked on for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hitting Heart is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at jmch316 so a writer for the falcons writing for fan nation uh on the falcons report uh daniel flick he's uh he's a regular guest on my radio show and he wrote a really good article in documenting saying how will ryan nielsen and jerry gray how will they collaborate on the falcons defensive play calls now if you don't know Ryan Nielsen, while he, you know, technically was the assistant defensive coordinator for the Saints, was not the play caller. And, and by the way, he's never called plays at the NFL level. And Daniel goes on to talk about just the dynamic between the Jerry Gray and the Ryan Nielsen, where, look, I, I have said repeatedly that Jerry Gray is the low-key best move that the Falcons made all season. Not, not necessarily Calais Campbell or this or that. I'm talking about that was the best overall move that the Falcons made this offseason. When you look at what his influence is going to be, when you look at how good of a coach he is, look, we've talked before. Jair Alexander gives him all the credit in the world for making him an outstanding cornerback. And in 2010, you know, while Dan Quinn was down in Gainesville, Florida, the guy that was coaching Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas that was Jerry Gray. He was the defensive backs coach for the Seattle Seahawks when they were, oh, I don't know, the Legion of Boom. So I have all the respect in the world and think so much. And talking to people around the league, you you realize how good of a coach a Jerry Gray is. But he talks about, you know, he used a quote here from, from uh, Gray talking about, uh, this is this is what he had to say about the dynamic of, Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen working with one another um, and, and trying to get the defense to get to another level. He says, quote, I'm going to be saying, hey, look, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Just the thought. Because sometimes you can kind of get stuck in your head and get in a rhythm of calling these plays and forgetting that the other team is scouting you also. So I'm going to be that guy that's kind of, like the little things on his shoulder, like, hey, now we've ran this more than that. So what about this? So change it up here. And it is interesting because, again, we talk about these little nuances, you know, as far as play calling and you get into a rut and all these different kinds of things. And I love the fact that Jerry Gray is talking about this, that, hey, and and I go back to the quote that um, 
uh, Bruce Arians said a whole handful of years ago where he talked about, you know, hey, um, you know, why are defenses shutting down? You know, I think at the time the Wildcat was becoming popular and this, that, and the other. And Bruce Arians made a comment, and, and, and I still use it this day. He's like, you know, those guys on the defensive side get paid too. And that's what Jerry Gray is kind of talking about, just in the idea of the same kind of narrative that, look, you can't get yourself into a rut. You can't be too predictable and things like that. And when the Falcons are a team that has a lot of different personnel on it, right? There's been improvements at all levels. Obviously, the big thing is going to have to be, can we generate a pass rush at the level that we need to? And Ryan Nielsen is a master at that. But when you get into play calling, you know, that's a situation where you've got to keep things fresh. You've got to throw nuances at the other team. You can't get yourself too like-minded and fixated on one thing. You know, now look, I will say in in football, the term is stop it, you know, stop us and, you know, or or you need to stop us. um, What do I want to say? Um, you know, we're going to run it till you stop us, right? I mean, that that's that's a, you know an old school narrative about, hey, we're going to keep running the same thing until you figure out how to stop us. But again, when you're on defense, the idea of Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen working together on all this and just those little nuanced things that I read about with Jerry Gray, just, hey, working with Ryan Nielsen, getting him comfortable to play call. Look, is Ryan Nielsen a guy who can call plays and run a defense? Sure. I mean, he's had a lot of experience and he's had a lot of success in the NFL. But these little things that that we maybe take for granted, that that maybe we don't necessarily think about. And, you know, again, we think that they just go out there and just run, you know, just run around the field and react and and all this kind of stuff. But we're going to be a defense that dictates things. We're going to be a defense that's going to dictate things. And, And this is part of, you know, again, when we talk about creating turnovers and and changing up the dynamic of an offense, you know, because you sack the quarterback and you change up down and distance, that's how you dictate. You know, we, we talk about the idea of through the preseason that, okay, by sacking the quarterback, you're changing up down and distance, and you're also affecting all kinds of other things around it where quarterbacks get gun shy or you're releasing the ball faster, and that can lead to turnovers and different things. Not to mention the fact of, hey, if you're regularly hitting the quarterback, there's a definite chance that maybe the ball could pop out. But we take for granted of just, hey, just line up and go after everybody. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that when you get into the NFL and, and you scheme and you, you know, you you change up the dynamics of what your defense is going to do to the other team's offense. And this is where Jerry Gray is going to have a big influence. And and I love the fact that he was named assistant co- head coach as well. You know, look, Arthur's talked nothing but bouquets about him, right? I mean, and there's no reason to not to. I mean, look, Jerry Gray is one of the best, best defensive minds in the NFL. He's had massive success. He's done everything with everybody, you know, across the league, whether it's been in Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle. You know, he's had lots of success on all the different journeys. And obviously, he's a wily veteran, and he understands the NFL and the nuances that come along with it. So when I read these things, I get excited. Like, I mean, you can hear a little bit in my voice. Look, I'm excited 
for Jerry Gray to be here. Because again, I think he's going to have a big influence on both Arthur Smith and Ryan Nielsen. And when you read about the dynamic about, hey, you know, I'm, I, he, he talks about the idea of checking his ego, right? Like these, neither one of these guys are egomaniacs. You know, you have some coaches in the NFL that it's their way or the highway, that they're not going to listen to anybody. Now, at some level, if you have massive success, then you can do that, right? I mean, if you're Bill Belichick, you don't really have to take, you know, a lot of input from other people. Now, does he do it? Probably. But again, it's not like Bill Belichick hasn't had success as a massive defense coordinator and obviously maybe the greatest head coach in NFL history. You know, but it, I'm, I'm sure there are things that he can learn, but you don't necessarily have to figure out a way to be in his ear and help. Ryan Nielsen is a guy who's never called plays. Ryan Nielsen is a guy who has not called plays at this level, not called plays on an NFL defense. And we maybe take that for granted a little bit, but this is where that, that hand on the shoulder of Jerry Gray, talking to both Arthur Smith, talking to a Ryan Nielsen, that he's going to have a lot of influence on the way that this defense operates. Yes, it will be at the end of the day, the Ryan Nielsen defense, but Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen, like those may have been two of the best. I think Jerry Gray is the best addition that this roster made. So again, when we talk about, and, and what I've always talked about, an advantage on the sidelines, it's not just Arthur Smith. It's a Ryan Nielsen. It's a Jerry Gray, more than just your head coach. And obviously that's who gets all the, the you know, the, the bouquets and all the grief that comes with it. But certainly when you have a good staff underneath you and you have quality coaches around you, that there's a lot to be excited about. And we'll talk more about the game tomorrow, but this is this is going to be very interesting to just kind of watch how this team, you know, goes into the season. And, and certainly I'm going to be watching a lot of this defense just to really see what we can do to really create pressure, to change up the dynamic, and to finally dictate to offenses how we're playing. Finally have a defense that can dictate to other teams. All right, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And listen, if you've never tried Bird Dogs, I'm telling you, right now go to birddogs.com and get a pair of their shorts. Listen, they're super comfortable. I, I These are my weekend shorts, okay? Like I will tell you that on, on weekends – going around, running around, doing errands and all this kind of stuff. That's like my few minutes that I have when I'm not working to be able to go and do things. I'm always in my pair of bird dogs. They're super comfortable. They have the anti-sweat wicking fabric, right? They're going to sculpt and fit you much better than just old cotton shorts. So these things are great and, and they're very comfortable. And obviously, look, they're easy to wear. You can just take them, you know, take them and wear them anywhere that you want. So here's what we want you to do. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. That's birddogs.com slash locked on. Get you some great shorts, but also at checkout, enter the promo code locked on at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle. That's right. You'll get a free water bottle from bird dogs when you put locked on as the promo code at checkout. That's birddogs, B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S 
com slash locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n get your free water bottle at checkout and i promise you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off they're super comfortable and they're great to wear so the nominees are in the nominees are in so pro football focus is sam monster he does a good job for for pro football focus he's got all of his predictions for awards in the NFL. And obviously we got a million years, you know, a million days and months and everything like that before we get to that. But here's what he's got for his awards uh, for this upcoming NFL season. So he's got Pat Mahomes as the MVP of the league. Um, this one's a little bit strange, but he's got uh, Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets being the offensive player of the year. Not really sure why Mahomes wouldn't be the offensive player of the year as well, but okay, we'll, we'll let all that go. Defensive player of the year. He's got Miles Garrett. Now, offensive rookie of the year. Who's he got? Well, again, he's a guy who loves him, Bijan Robinson. He says, quote, in the game's most run-heavy offense, Bijan could lead the league in rushing as a rookie. Last season in college, he broke you know, 104 missed tackles, blah, 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 blah. Um, on top of that rushing ability, uh, Robinson boasts exceptional hands on route running, uh, and he doesn't need to be kept off the field and passing downs. So obviously we know all of that, but again, look, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a Falcon that's, that's listed in some kind of preseason award. Then he's got defensive rookie of the year and he's got Jalen Carter. We'll see how that all turns out, but that that's, that's interesting. Um, for receiving leader, Garrett Wilson, uh, the sack leader, Micah Parsons, could we have drafted Micah Parsons? Uh, anyway. All right. Back to uh, the conversation. Um, and then he says, uh, the rushing leader for this year, he predicts Bijan Robinson again. As noted earlier, the Falcons were the most run-heavy team in the NFL last season. The offense caused more run plays and pass plays. It's not likely to change with Desmond Ritter quarterback. Robinson was brought in for what could be um, it, it, what could be what for what he could add in terms of value to an already potent rushing attack. We talked about listen, take away quarterback rushing yards. The Falcons ran for more yards than anybody from all of their other positional players. Um, he has a skill set to ensure he doesn't need to come off the field, and the Falcons have motivation to give him as much work early as he can handle. There's also a limited pool of players likely to handle the workload to challenge him. Well, see, this is where I disagree, okay? I disagree that he's going to lead the league in rushing because I don't think he's going to get enough rushing attempts on it. You know, again... Tyler Algier is a thousand yard running back. He's not going away in this offense. Cordero Patterson is going to get some carries as well. And again, you know, they'll use some, some different people. Ritter will have a little bit of, you know, a running ability in the offense, but I, I only say that Robinson's not going to lead the league in rushing because I don't know that he's going to get as many carries or opportunities. Now, will he get a fair amount of carries? Absolutely. I mean, again, you didn't draft him number what seven or eight or six or whatever it was, you know, to, to be a, you know, just a third down back, he's going to have a hand. And look, I don't think they'll throw to him as much early as they'll just let him get acclimated to running the football in the NFL. Then maybe as the, as the weeks go on, we can integrate him into all kinds of different things, you know, in the past game and, and all this kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't think that he is going to lead the league in rushing. I will say what I've said consistently is I think that Algier and Robinson both run for a thousand yards. I think they both end up running for a thousand yards. And where we'll probably see 
you know, the Robinson factor, uh, red zone, receiving in the red zone, touchdowns more than anything. Could I see Robinson leading this team in touchdowns? Absolutely. But I don't think he leads the league in rushing. I think that there are guys that are going to just eat up carries and churn out yards. Even if it doesn't, you know, even if a guy isn't leading the league in yards per attempt and, and Robinson and Algier can run for almost five yards an attempt, I just don't think that they're going to get enough touches to be able to lead the league in rushing. Again, it's not a knock. It's just probably the reality of the offense. And we'll talk more about the game tomorrow. Like I said, I mean, you know, again, how many pass attempts is Desmond Ritter going to throw? He averaged 25. We were throwing it about 22 times a game with Marcus Mariota. Ritter got that up to 25. Does that number go up? That number goes up. You probably take away some of the rushing attempts. So, again, it's just good to see guys listed on the Falcons. And it's, it's even funnier because of his, you know, preseason awards and all this kind of stuff that Jalen Carter is the defensive rookie of the year. And, and there'll be a lot of Falcon fans that are going to be watching what Jalen Carter does. If he blows up the defensive line, and obviously the Eagles need him to contribute with Javon Hargrave being gone, but if he's blowing things up and Robinson gets off to a slow start, we're going to hear a lot of that. Hey, see, see, you should have taken Jalen Carter. And then if Micah Parsons leads the league in sacks, there'll be one guy in the universe that's like, hey, hi, hi, I'm, I'm the only one here talking about anyway, so... Let's uh, but let's just let's just revel in the fact that at least somebody is giving some credit to some Falcons players. And look, I will say. Pro football focus, Sam Monson, they are high on certain Falcon players, right? They love Robinson. They love Pitts. They love London. OK, now what but what what they're missing is this all has to come together to win football games. OK. It's great that they love them in fantasy and this and that, and we can lead the league. Okay, let's win football games. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about you know how much we like the draft picks and all that kind of stuff. I'm worried about winning football games. And again, I will say, do we have enough players at the point of influencing games that we can you know again take it over the next level? So we'll see what happens, but at least that somebody's giving a little bit of love to some Falcons players more than a lot of other national pundits that are out there. All right. As you listen into hitting hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show that you're listening in five days a week to the program. So we thank you so much for being a part of our community, but let us know, drop us a note in the comment section of your podcast platform. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. This uh, is an interesting stat um, about Spencer Strider. Um, this is from Lindsey Crosby um, from Fan Nation, from the Braves Today Fan Nation website. And he talks about Spencer Strider, who, by the way, got pounded last night and, and probably in a lot of ways probably took himself out of the Cy Young Award. If he had consistently pitched the rest of the year like he had been, eh, then we, we might have had a more of a discussion. But I think last night's performance, two and two-thirds innings, six earned runs, jacked his ERA up back up to 3.8, almost 3.9. Um, yeah, he had the five strikeouts, but again, it's it was a it was a rough performance all the way around. 
that really probably took him out of the race. Again, Justin Steele, um, Ian Snell, that's probably your two favorites now to win the Cy Young in the National League. But here's an interesting stat, and, and I, I give Lindsey credit for, for this. He's the guy that, that wrote this. He talks about the fact that, um, you know, Strider has been really good against good teams. He says, quote, using baseball reference to pull splits, he's pitched 17 games against teams with a record of over 500. In those 17 games, having pitched 106 innings, he has a 2.63 ERA, a 2.23 FIP with 168 strikeouts. That's over 106 innings and a 40.8% strikeout rate. Now, I'll save this for just a second. Opposing hitters are batting 182 against him, and he strikes out seven batters for each walk that he gives up on average with only 24 walks total. But if a team is below 500, it's a different story. In the 11 games that he has pitched against teams below 500, he has a 6-1-1 ERA with a 4.14 FIP, 56 innings, 82 strikeouts, but a 32.9% strikeout rate. Now, he's allowing hitters to hit 253 against him versus the 182. So you're talking about, what, 70 points higher? And he strikes out just under three batters for every walk. In fact, 2.9 strikeouts to walk ratio when it's over seven against teams above 500. He has 28 walks in those 56 innings. And, and there's a chart, if you, if you go to um, go to the article about, the, about this, um, it is interesting to just look side by side at the numbers and things like that. Now, look, what's the reasoning for this? That's the million-dollar question, right? So, but here's at least, let's put a positive light on this. The fact that, yeah, he got crushed by a last-place team last night. Yeah, he's not pitched well in the 11 starts against below 500 teams, okay? But let's put the positive spin on this, okay? How many below 500 teams are going to see in the playoffs? We're going to see the Dodgers and the Phillies and this and that. Those teams aren't below 500. We're not going to see the St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Washington Nationals, we're not going to see those teams in the playoffs. It's going to be the Dodgers and the Phillies and, you know, whatever, the Brewers, whatever. It's going to be those teams. So the good news is, is that, you know, again, maybe it's a mental aspect where when it's a good opponent, he gets himself up and he, and he, and he focuses in on what he has to do. Maybe when you look at these lesser teams that he's struggling against, maybe he thinks his stuff is just good enough to blow by people. Maybe there's, maybe that's what it is, that there's just a mental hurdle that says, man, my stuff's good enough. I can just strike these guys. Heck, I'm striking out the good teams. I can strike out all these guys. And, and they realize that, oh, okay, these are major league hitters too. Whatever the reason is, I don't really care. But it is a very fascinating stat when you look at side-by-side side, just – 11 starts against teams below 500 with a 6-1-1 ERA versus 17 starts 
against teams above 500 with a 2.23 or 2.63, I should say, ERA. And 182 with um, uh, uh, 182 average against in the 17 starts above 500, 253 in the 11 starts of teams below 500. It is fun to watch and, and look at that side by side, but I'm going to take the positive spin on all of this. I'm going to take the idea of, hey, you know what? That's a good sign because if he's on and he's focused and we talk about in playoff baseball, the more you can get outs without contact, the better you are. You know, guys that nibble around and guys that get dinks and dunks and contact and you force them defense to make plays and this, that, and the other, that's pitchers who struggle at times, right? The difference between the Greg Maddox's and the John Smoltz's. And if Strider is amped up and ramped up to play against the good teams and he's more focused, that's great because that's what we need come playoff time. And obviously, hopefully, he's healthy. Again, he was coming back from the oblique and just wasn't really healthy and didn't pitch very well. But the idea is that, okay, whatever's working for him against the good teams in baseball, let's keep that momentum up. I don't care if it's mental, physical, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, that's a good sign. If he's just feasting on the bottom feeders of the National League and not being able to pitch up against the good pitchers and the good teams, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But again, sometimes when you're a young pitcher, you think your stuff's better than anybody and you can just blow people away. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But let's look at this as a positive that going into the playoffs, that Strider has been really good against the best competition that he's faced. Whatever else ends up happening, let's hope that that trend continues of pitching great against the really good teams, you know, versus, you know, the, the alternative. So let's hope for the best on all this, but it is a fun stat to look at when you look at the numbers side by side to one another. All right, when you uh, make Hitting Hard your first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers. Leave us a comment in your podcast platform, whatever you're listening on, and let us know that you're an everydayer five days a week into the show. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. We're going to preview Falcons and Panthers coming up on Sunday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 